All right, guys, welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am the one and only Young Ari Gold, and I am here with my co-hosts and friends, John Wade, the Garnet Texan, and Brad Grew. And, well, fellas, this is the first first podcast since, is it September 23rd? I believe it's September 23rd that we've had a podcast where we are going to talk and dissect about a Texans loss. Oh, isn't the season over? Aren't we doing a postmortem? Yeah, this is this the is season, season's done. This is it. Yeah, you know, no we're more. going nine and seven. Even yeah. though we said last week we weren't going to go nine and seven, Titans it's, are going to win the division. It's absolutely over. Haven't you been on Twitter? Oh, uh, I've been on Twitter. The world is ending. So, you know what's worse than angry Texans fans on Twitter though? Colts fans that are extremely riding a high right now. Oh fuck though. Uh, yeah, you know, remember I told you that troll story that I took bait on that one time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I took some Colt bait today. It's awful. I just I can't imagine anything. This guy called me a fucking loser, just out of nowhere. Like I had like I, I chimed in on, and he just like without saying anything. That's where he started. You realize he lives in like Indiana or some shit. So who's the fucking so loser? I mean, if he lives in Indy, yeah. and I live in Austin. Pretty sure you're the fucking lo- the loser. I think we're already ahead on that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, so yeah, guys, this was a this was a rough, rough. Rough loss, right? The world's ending, like John referenced in Twitter. Granted, it is a sorry-ass fucking franchise. Indy? Yeah. Yeah, no, they're the fucking worst. They luck in the two quarterbacks. Well, Keyboard. one nice, because... Nice wordplay. Yeah, there. you know, one because they completely tanked everything. I mean, and then their owner's a fucking crackhead. Uh, a, legitimate, a legitimate crackhead. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know crackhead, but I would definitely say, like, I know he pops pills. I, I know that for a fact. Like, Jim Ursay is the guy at, like, the blackjack table in Vegas at, like, 4 a.m., and he's by himself, and he's still drinking, and then he pops a pill and goes and finds a hooker, and then the hooker ends up dead in the Luxor. That's Jim Ursay. That sounds like it was a true story. I mean, Deadspin doesn't report bad bad news. Brad, how you doing, bro? I'm hanging in there, man. It's not the end of the world yet. Nah. It is the Colts, so it hurts. But, uh, you know, Andrew Luck is who we thought he was, a great quarterback. So uh, we live to fight another day. Yeah, agreed. Uh, look, the the best quarterback we've played this year in order goes Tom Brady, Andrew Luck, and Andrew Luck. Both times, we, or all three times that we played a quarterback of that stature – the outcome was not good. We kind of expected it in a sense. We knew that Andrew Luck was going to have a good game. Like, that's pretty much a given. He has good games. He's a great quarterback. I, I hate to say that, but he is. He's a great quarterback. Like John said, they lucked into getting luck in general. And uh, yesterday, there was a lot, a lot of things. I, I think a lot of eyes were open yesterday. I think, I think for a fan base, a loss is somewhat of a good thing as well. Just like some of the players are saying that this loss is good for them as well because it, they know how it feels again. They'd rather feel this right now than they would in the playoffs, which they're probably going to feel anyways. But Yeah, in four weeks, this, this loss will feel 100 times worse. Maybe. If, I mean, if we lose in four weeks. Maybe that's what I said. Yeah. If. If. It would feel a hundred times worse. Yeah. It's one of those where you gotta gotta get it out of your system. 
Um, it gets them to kind of step back and try to reevaluate because no matter what you say, when you're winning, you're riding high on that confidence. So you just, even though you know there's things to clean up, you're just kind of like, whatever, whatever, we, we survive. Get that loss and that kind of smacks you in the face and kind of brings you back down to earth. I think, I mean, and you just, you don't win 10 games in a row in the NFL. You definitely don't win 13. No. You definitely don't win 13. So, uh, all right. We're going to start with the offense, as usual. Why not? All right. Where do you guys want to go? Because there's a lot of areas. Brad, why don't you tell us where you want to go? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we the receiving core is obviously where we felt um, some pain. You know, um, no Kiki. It's just not going to – we're going to have problems without him. And then once Carter was knocked out of the game, I mean, we had our third string quarterback in there catching passes. Um, and the fact that they were able to, you know, keep it competitive with literally their third string quarterback catching passes um, is a little bit that I think you can uh, – you can you could take as an upside for this, um, but at the same time, it shows that we have glaring issues uh, down the stretch. If Kiki can't stay healthy, what is going to be our contingency plan? Um, it was great to see the uh, young tight ends get involved more, um, and for Damaris Thomas to uh, show up again, and for Nuke to get his uh, touchdown a game. But uh, uh, the rushing game struggled as well. But there's there's plenty to take to improve upon from this. Yeah, no, I agree 100. I think that. The wide receiving core is look. It is the wide receiving core is exactly what it was when we came into the season minus Will Fuller, an unhealthy Kiki, um, minus Bruce Ellington, who I think right now, even though he got hurt again in the Lions game, of course he did. Uh, who knows what would happen if he stayed on the team? Uh, I think my question right now is. Why did we keep Sammy Coates on the team and cut Tyler Irvin to get DeAndre Carter when we've known that the issue is the slot position and the speedy slot position and returns? Why wouldn't we cut Sammy Coates and have Irvin and Carter, given the injury history to the slot position this season in general? Well, it's a fair question, but Coates is more of a gunner at this point. Right. We've got how many roster spots now completely dedicated to special teams? A lot. At least six. It's showing. Eight. And it's showing on special teams. Yeah, special teams kicking ass. Like, this is one of those where I understand the roster decisions, but I still question them because we don't have – we don't have the emergency slot receiver. We don't have an emergency scat back, a third down running back. At this point, it seems like we have Lamar Miller and Alfred Blue, and that's it. Right. And now we're taking up another spot is essentially a glorified um, IR spot so we can hopefully get something out of Foreman. And obviously, they're not going to give Howell any touches, and I guess he can't run routes anyway, so it didn't really matter this week because what we needed was either a running back or a slot receiver. And Joe Webb is not a fucking slot receiver. That, I guess that's what I'm saying. If, if Joe Webb is our third option at slot, I get that Sammy Coates is our gunner, and that's great, but we also have other players that can be our gunner. And we know how impactful the slot position is to this offense in general. It doesn't make sense that we would cut Urban and not Sammy Coates, considering Sammy is not seeing the field at all. I mean, with DT 
and Nuck. There's no reason for Sammy Coates to be on the field. Both of those guys are outside wide receivers. Sammy's not going to run the slot. So at, at what point does it in their mind think, okay, we got to cut Urban to get DeAndre Carter. Why not just cut Coates, have Carter and Urban? Then you have an insurance policy, and you're pretty much set if anything happens like it did on Sunday where DeAndre Carter goes out and our, our Joe Webb, who literally does not know the plays because guess what? He doesn't take wide receiver snaps. Well, is, if neither Sammy Coates or Vincent Smith can play inside-outside. Or kind Vincent of, Smith, right? Yeah, it's just kind of it's a head-scratcher. I mean, Vincent Smith does have great great size and great speed. Like, he's a mixture of size speed. Four three, four, high 4-2, low 4-3 speed. And then he's 6-4. Yeah. So he's he's a beast of a player. But at this point, we're just keeping him off somebody's practice squad because we have no intention to play him. If we did, then we don't go out and trade for Demarius Thomas. If we go out and trade for Demarius Thomas, at that point, a decision should have been made on Beth Smith. So we had another guy that can either play slot or receiver. Right. I, if Sammy Coates has done a hell of a job on special teams. He really has. Yeah. But cutting Irvin was still kind of questionable because we didn't have anybody else to do his role. We did have somebody, DeAndre Carter, looks like he could be a player as a Looks like a better version of Ty right. Or looks it's like the rookie version. But he, he can't play running back. Right. So that's, for me, it's a questionable roster move because you get rid of your, your pass-catching running back. Right now, we never use him as a pass-catching running back. And our, essentially, our slot receiver that, I don't know, it's one of those kind of, I, I, I'm kind of talking myself into circles because, again, Irvin didn't do a great job as a slot receiver, but he did better than Joe Webb. But we're in the position where we actually had to find that out which no one was really counting on. I mean, it's just frustrating. Just look, that position, though, is incredibly important. Look at how redundant the Patriots are with it. Look at how redundant... Oh, I forgot who the other team I was going to use as an example right now. But look what, what it does when even the Rams, who are destroying people, they lose their slot receiver. Turns out that was the key piece in their offense, a slot receiver. They can't even use Gurley out of the backfield, which they should be able to more consistently, but it's with a young quarterback and it's just incredibly important to have somebody as your kind of your outlet and like what it's done. Yeah, and I think it's it's funny that like when we think about like you mentioned Tyler Irvin, you know, he he, he looked like he could fit the slot role when needed. But at the end of the day, like I can't say that they they gave him the opportunity to truly show what he can do in that position either. Like, I, I, I know that he had a couple of catches here and there, but it's not like he had a like an actual chance to perform in that role. And then when we noticed that DeAndre Carter was available, it was like, okay, well, let's just cut Tyler Irvin and get DeAndre Carter. So, uh, I don't know. Brad, what are you expecting them to do this week to... Uh, alleviate this issue that, that we're having right now. And I mean, is there a player out there? Do you expect Tyler Urban to come back? Uh, is it, you know, some people are throwing out Braxton Miller. Uh, Braxton Miller won't be back on his team just so everybody understands. But Aren't both him and Urban on the Eagles practice yeah. squad? That's crazy. 
Uh, Brad, what, what do you, where do you see this going? Um, you know, I just, I don't think it was, we're really going to have any change in this. I think if Carter stays healthy in yesterday's game, doesn't get knocked, uh, knocked out of the game. I think it's a different game. Um, I think he's shown that he can be dynamic, especially on wide receiver screens. I think Bob is going to use the wide receiver screen, especially since Demarius Thomas has such a, has had su- such success with it so far um, as kind of the out of the backfield, you know, to, to make up for the uh, running backs catching the ball out of the backfield. Those are going to be the plays. I think it's just going to be wide receiver screens, and we just need to uh, deal with that. And it's worked out pretty well. Uh, I think Deshaun threw behind uh, Nuke on one yesterday, or sh- threw short on one. That probably would have been another six or seven yards. I think, you know, I think our receiving core is our receiving core. Um, and I don't see, and I think the reason they, they got rid of Irvin is just he couldn't stay healthy too. And so if we had Irvin who couldn't stay healthy, Kiki who couldn't stay healthy, um, and hopefully Carter doesn't get banged up. You know, it was a concussion protocol rather than an actual hamstring. You know, the hamstring is just one of those things. If you don't have time to heal it, it's just going to keep getting strained over and over and over. So I don't think either one of them is going to be really healthy until the end of the season, uh, Irvin or uh, Kiki. So I just don't see it changing all that much. I think we have to continue to rely on the tight ends uh, going forward and get them involved early, which I think they did great. I think they did well. But I think just losing Carter, not having Carter and Kiki is just too much to overcome. I think we need at least one of those. But with the, with Carter being in the concussion protocol and us playing on Saturday, if he doesn't clear the concussion protocol in time to play, they're going to have to make a roster move. I mean, there's really, there's nothing else they can do. They're not going to give Joe Webb slot, no, number one slot reps all, all week in practice and just say, hey, we're going to have to go. We're playing the Jets, especially after this loss. They're going to have to figure out a way to make this offense tick. And uh, if it's Tyler Irvin or uh, I, I don't really know, John, what do you, I mean, what do you see? Because if DeAndre Carter doesn't pass the concussion protocol, dude, there's a move to be made. The only way they get by without making a move is maybe what they should have done this past game is move Hopkins to the side. Right. Um, essentially, the wide receiver screens, they're great little chunk plays, but they don't replace having that, that third option on a quarterback's progression. And that's usually the slot receiver or a running back that you can dump it off to. Sure. For whatever reason, we've had a ton of success on the running back dump offs, but we, I, don't, I still don't know if Deshaun just doesn't see them consistently or if the timing just gets that messed up. I mean, they're not even running around. They're just standing there. He dumps it off when nobody else is open. We did that. We didn't do that at all. I'm trying to think. Did we even do it once? Did one of our running backs have a reception? Uh, Lamar Miller did. He did? Okay. That's. Then he was also overthrown on a crucial third down because Deshaun got to the. got antsy. Yeah. And it looked like we were starting to work the tight ends more. Um, Jordan Aikens actually could be our slot receiver. Jordan Aikens could potentially be a lot more, too. Yeah, no, but I mean, I'm, I'm talking about... The no, agree. I, I agree with you. I'm just saying it, it was pretty... The, the way, like, Jordan Reed was used... Right, in Washington. In Washington, similar to how... Jordan Reed was actually used some, more similar to how Cooper Cup was. With Kirk Cousins. Than just about any other tight end. He was like a hybrid. All right. And Aikens has the wills to do that. Yeah. I don't know if he has... A, I don't know if he has the route tree. We just haven't seen it yet. Yeah. No, I, I think it, it's going to be interesting to see because I really don't I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, it all comes down to the concussion protocol. They'll have a better feel for it than I will tomorrow. Um, 
All right, let's get to the tight ends real quick. Uh, not too much time needs to be spent, but this is one of the shining uh, parts of the game yesterday. The tight end group in general looked really good. Uh, uh, it, it pains me to say that Ryan Griffin was our leading uh, receiver in yards. Uh, I When I rewatched the game today, I realized that if Jordan Akins would have been the tight end on the play to Ryan Griffin, that would have actually been a touchdown. Um, so it's kind of funny how when we've been talking about why is Ryan Griffin on the field, and look, he did make some plays yesterday, and you know, credit to him for being in the position to make those plays, but uh, Akins has the breakaway speed for that position to be able to take that to the house, and he's also a little bit more um, – he's more of a finesse runner than Ryan Griffin. Ryan Griffin's kind of clumsy. And uh, that was the first thought that came into my mind when I saw that catch, and then when I rewatched it today – uh, Ryan Griffin actually had to make a cut for the safety to miss the tackle. But that lack of acceleration on that point is what got him caught. Now, we ended up scoring on that drive, so it really doesn't really matter. But we would have actually had the ball back at, like I think, 320, which would have negated us from having to use all of our timeouts, which then just the whole game changes at that point when you add an additional 40 seconds on. But uh, you're right, Brad. The, the tight end group looked really good yesterday. They looked like they had a real understanding on what needed to be done. Jordan Akins looked awesome um, running down the sideline. Like I, This is where we're starting to see. This is what we expected to see from the tight end group. And uh, Jordan Thomas looked solid. So, Brad, do, do we start to see more of Akins and Thomas as this season progresses to get them ready for the playoffs? Or do you think that it's still going to be this three-headed monster moving forward with uh, Ryan Griffin, Jordan Akins, and Jordan Thomas? You know, I, I hope we see, see um, Thomas and Aikens more and more. I think they're proving they can catch the ball really well. Um, you know, Thomas had that great one-hander, I believe. Uh, you know, Aikens is just – they're both just beasts. Like you said, they're both athletic freaks when compared to Ryan Griffin. Um, Ryan Griffin also, I believe, had a hold call yesterday that he took back a pretty big chunk play. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you at this point in the season – I just don't really see the upside for having Griffin on the field over Aikens or Thomas. You know, his blocking may be marginally better, but the the threat down the field threat that that uh, Aikens and Thomas provide, I think, more than more than offsets that. Um, so I'm hoping that we see that. But I think for whatever reason, um, Bob just trusts Griffin uh, and crunch time at this point. Yeah, no, that seems to be like the 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 thing that's going on when it comes to. Um, Griffin and, and the other tight ends, but it was definitely one of the shining moments of, uh, of of the game yesterday. There are some really good things that came out of this game. Like I know it's like a loss, and we haven't suffered a loss in forever. And the world, you know, at times, look. Yesterday, you can ask John when I was at the game. I mean, I was fucking hysterical. I was the guy that was like, "This is Clowney's fault. We lost two games because of Clowney." I can't wait to record with you tomorrow, John. I'm going to kill a clowny. I mean, that was livid embodiment of Houston's sports Twitter. I was. I mean, I really was. In in the moment, that was exactly me, right? And as a fan, that's where the emotions come from. Those types of situations happen. The difference between me and the typical fans are I sat back, watched the film, and saw exactly what happened. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate the way that we lost. But I think the one thing that we need to keep in mind is that we only lost by three and we played an awful, awful, I mean, awful game. On defense, on offense, it was just an all-around awful game. 
Are we going to completely skip the shop? No, that's why I, that's, I'm segueing into uh, the shop. I thought you were segueing into vibe. defense. No, you killed my segue vibe. Yeah, well, it wasn't a very good segue. You didn't give me a chance to segue. You were talking about the defense. I said all around the game offense. to end it, and then I was going to wrap it back around Sean, and you killed it. All right, hopefully I can pick up the vibe again. Uh, now to speak on our Lord and Savior, our franchise quarterback, the guy that we all believe in, and I, I mean that, I, I believe in him too. I, I know that he is our guy. I love Deshaun. I love everything about Deshaun. We did not win that game yesterday, though, because of Deshaun Watson. Uh, Deshaun Watson is the reason why we lost, for multiple reasons. You can say the two overthrows, one to Demarius Thomas and one to DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, that, that definitely – we would have been up 14-0 if he would have connected with uh, DT – uh, early in the second quarter, or first quarter, or end of first quarter, whatever it was, I forgot. We would have been up 14-0. Uh, if we would have connected with Nuck on that deep bomb, uh, we would have been up 21-7. to <sighs> Things happen, okay? Those those are going to happen. Not every quarterback is going to hit the deep ball. That's not even the only reason we lost. Another thing that Deshaun is not doing right now that we've talked about week in, week out. We've said that this is a part of this game. This is something we're going to have to live with. We've both, all three said it. This is what he does. He extends the plays. He wants to be the hero. Well, yesterday that hero ball came back and it hurt us. And Deshaun was responsible for all five sacks. No, I'm sorry. Deshaun was responsible for four of the five sacks. When Autry came through the middle in like 10, in like, tenths of a second on the snap, there was nothing anybody could have done on that. That was just, it happens. Uh, but Deshaun has to learn how to get rid of the ball. We're watching Monday Night Football right now. You know what tape he should be watching? Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson can extend plays. He does all the magician stuff. He's able to escape tackles. But when he knows that he cannot, when he's about to take a sack, he throws the ball away every time. Deshaun's got to find a way. And I'm starting to wonder, and I think this is where I want you two to chime in. Does a lot of what Deshaun's doing right now with holding the ball and taking the sacks have to do with the fact that he has no faith in the offensive line? Is it is he thinking earlier in the season, I was getting destroyed. I have to find a way to keep this going because my offensive line was not able to protect me. Or is this really, truly just Deshaun's game? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, first off, right now, he, he must be feeling just a little bit too good. Everything he's thrown is just a little high. So both the deep balls, he just put a little too much on. Uh, Damaris's route was, that was a perfectly ran route. If that ball was just anywhere where it could be caught. And then Hopkins completely... Oh, I, I, I'm still at a loss for words on how you missed him on that one. If it was a throw, I don't know. If it was a throwaway or what? I, it was one of those where I kind of wish that the whole critique about Deshaun had a noodle arm. If he had a noodle arm right then, then it's a touchdown. Agreed. That's what's crazy. You know what? The, the, but, the part about, and Brad, I want to get your take on this in a second, but the part that I'm having a real hard time with is the fact that last year, yes, the deep balls were great, right? And, and he hit them in stride and it all worked. But what I'm concerned about is the lack of touch on the deep balls this year. They're not the, the touch is not there. 
I mean, when we had Jordan Palmer on, he said at Clemson, his number one mistake was his overthrows. And he went and corrected it and worked with Deshaun on it. I mean, he told us that when we interviewed him. This year, the touch is not there. Uh, it's like he's just launching them from a cannon. And they're all out of reach. I mean, it's not even like one of those, like, go up and one-handed, try to grab it. I mean, they're out of reach yeah. completely. Yeah, I mean, there's been several throws throughout the year where we both kind of looked at each other. It's like, if he had put that where the receiver could make a play on it, yeah, they probably could have made a play on it. Yeah. None were too... Uh, those t- the two with this Colts game were just two of the more ag- agrarious ones. Like, like, it was just... Those are awful. Makes If I had hair, I'd pull it out, but I'm, I, don't, I don't have that problem. Yeah. And it's funny because his um, 15 to 20 yard touch is absolutely insane. This it's year. the most improved part of his game. Those, I, and I mean, it's elite level. Some, of, some of those throws that he has made. That run he made yesterday to DeAndre on the sideline, that was, that was beautiful. And he's done that just about every game this season. Yeah. He's had issues with short passes and he's had issues with long. Where last year, all he could make were short passes and long passes right. and he couldn't hit the middle. Right. So I think it's a little bit of just rookie growing pain. Sure. He's still learning. He's at 21 games. This is his 19th game. No, this oh, is his 19th game. 19th game. So, yeah. I mean, he's still got a lot, a lot of time to grow. And just 20th game. 20th game. So, in my opinion, he's going to get hot. It's just a question of when and will we have enough time left and whatever's going. And my biggest fear is it's going to be the fourth quarter of a game that we're losing and we come back just enough to break our hearts. Typical Texans fashion. Typical. But he's going to get hot. It's just a question of when. He's going to put it all together. And it is, it's just growing pains right now. Brad, when, you, when it comes to Deshaun Sachs and his, his, uh, the hero ball and things like that, I mean, what is it do you think that is going through his mind during those plays? I, I, I truthfully think that he can he believes that he can outrun and outball, you know, these defensive linemen. I don't think you know, I think he understands he's not abandoning the play, you know, too quickly like we see some young quarterbacks uh whenever they feel the pressure. He'll stand in there and take a hit if he's if he's got a receiver open. But he his progressions are a little slow. And I think he's just, for whatever reason, he thinks he can just hold on the ball. Like, I literally counted out, like, seven Mississippi on one of the sacks yesterday in the third quarter. It was literally seven seconds that he had to throw the ball away or get out of the pocket or do something. And he's just not, for whatever reason, it's just the internal timer is just not clicking. And I I think it is, he's young and he'll get better at it. But I think it's just going to take a lot of off-season work. I don't think it's something he's going to pick up over the next few weeks. But I do hope that, you know, as they approach the playoffs and they open up the offense a little bit more, um, that it's just he's just going to find his natural rhythm. Because like you guys said, those deep balls yesterday were just terrible. They're just completely the wrong launch angle for both passes. If you would have flipped those launch angles on those two passes, it would have been touchdowns. Like the nuke was a too high of a launch angle and the Damaris Thomas was a too low of a launch angle. And if he just flips those, that's 14 points. Um, you know, it just, he doesn't, the good news is he didn't turn the ball over. Um, he did only, um, I think he had uh, nine missed incompletions for the whole game. Um, so he's not, you know, it was 11, sorry, 11 incompletions for the game. So he's not totally 
looking terrible out there, but it's just those, it's frustrating because you see the potential. You see it's there. The Like you said, the mid-range pass is beautiful. Those long crossing routes are just perfectly timed to the sidelines. And to, that's, I think if you ask any quarterback, those are the hardest passes in the league. Um, and then he's just missing on the deep ball for whatever reason. And maybe it's just, he's used to having Will Fuller that would just run under whatever he threw at him. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think that the Will Fuller thing definitely is a part of it. You know, those deep balls last year all went to Will Fuller. Uh, and at the beginning of the year this year, they all went to Will Fuller. Uh, but I think that with Deshaun, and he's never going to hear this, so it, it really doesn't matter. But, and you know, I know he has everything he needs to be special. And when I say special, I think the top five quarterback in this league. I think last year was not, I don't think last year was an anomaly. I think that's, I think that you can get that from Deshaun. But I think when that was happening last year, everything was kind of going right. Uh, it was a lot, you know, everybody was somewhat healthy during the seven games. You know, Will Fuller was catching, you know, long stride, you know, long balls. Uh, things were just a lot different last year. And, and now things are just a little complicated. We don't have a, a consistent slot wide receiver. Will Fuller's out of the mix. Uh, you added a new wide receiver in Demarius Thomas. You have two rookie tight ends that are playing predominantly in the, you know, taking most of the snaps on uh, at the tight end position. Things are just different right now. And uh, I think there's just a lot of moving pieces. I think, Desha- I, no, I don't think, I know Deshaun is the guy, uh, but I, I just think he's got to learn to just get rid of the ball and learn to fight another down. And not only that, he's got to learn to take what the defense is giving him. There was a play, I, I forgot exactly what play it was, but, uh, Joe Webb was actually on a crossing route. He was like third and eight. And he was actually wide open uh, on the crossing route. And Deshaun tried to just keep it going. And I think a lot of this has to do, I think the, the uh, you know, the extended plays, I think, tend to also be these long developing routes that Bill O'Brien is calling. I think he's trying to give them enough time to be able to execute those routes. But I don't know. I, I hope I hope he, he gets better and he corrects that. Uh, I, Brad, I want to give you some stats because you're a stat guy. <sighs> the Texans were all, like they were awful on first down yesterday, and, and O'Brien mentioned it today um, in his press conference. Seventeen first down plays for three yards or less. Five plays of zero yards. Seven plays of negative yards. A gain of zero. And an interception wiped out by a penalty. Also had a first down false start. That that's literally that's setting Deshaun up to fail, right? Like you know, something we should also mention: the running game yesterday. This Texans that it works off the play action pass. His success comes with the play action pass, and they they weren't biting on the play action yesterday because they were stuffing the run up until the you know late third quarter. Um, so it's worth bringing that you know the the run issues. I think a lot of what happened yesterday was more about what the Colts did right than the Texans did wrong. Um, you know, I think they got their butts handed to them in Jacksonville and they just took the game more serious and prepared better than the Texans. Um, that's not making an excuse for the Texans. You know, they still are supposed to win the game. They were the much better team, but you know, I have to give credit where credit's due with Indianapolis there. They came to block that rushing game, knowing that they could get into Deshaun's head, um, with the timing, I think. And the, it, that's what showed up in the end. Yeah. I also think that Deshaun's got to get better at being able to pick up blitzes and read defenses a little bit. Um, those corner blitzes yesterday and the safety blitzes were just destroying them. John, I mean, is that something that you expect to see improved? I mean, there's ways to know if the corner's going to blitz or not. Yeah, there's it's, certain things you can do. Again, he's still learning. And 
the thing about Deshaun that they've said in the past is whenever you figure out his kryptonite, he always he always fixes it. He's gonna fix them. I mean it it is what it is. He will learn to start throwing towards that blitz. He'll recognize it sooner than he has been. Kind of his biggest problem right now is he is honestly I think he's just trying to process too much. And that's why he's missing some of the things. As our expectations for him are a little high, admittedly. Um, the way that he's come out, he's proven that he can play, but he still has a lot of growing to do. He gets better at reading those blitzes, and then they're going to find another wrinkle. And that's what he's continuously proven, though, is whatever wrinkle, he eventually figures it out. Quick question for you guys in that regard, you know, because I, I completely agree that, you know, he's just, he, he's pressing, he's going to learn, he's got the talent to do it. But why do you think, you know, someone like Mahomes has been able to adapt so quickly? Or do you think that's just because of the weapons he has available? Oh, that's the weapons. That, there's, there's no way around it. The Chiefs were straight up loaded without Mahomes on offense. Their defense is paying for it. Our defense is a lot better than the Chiefs. But essentially when we built up our defense and then dropped dropped a quarterback and another set piece into our offense, they did the exact opposite. They built up their offense and put a couple of defenders in there, a couple of pass rushers in there, and then they dropped Mahomes into that. There's just about no quarterback in the league that if you drop them into the Chiefs, their stats would not go up. I, you cannot say the same about the, about the Texans. It's just a fact. Agreed. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, I think we've spent enough time on Deshaun. Unfortunately, it wasn't in the light that we would like to talk about Deshaun, but um, I am solely putting the blame on Deshaun yesterday. Is that fair? No, I, it's one of those where... I mean, I feel like he's the new James Harden of Houston, by the way. <laughs> you can't criticize Deshaun at all. No. And nowadays, if you do, you're an idiot. It, you don't know what the fuck you're no, talking it's, about. It's, it's, yeah. it's fair to criticize Deshaun for the game. But that loss was a team effort. There's not every loss is a team effort. I agree. But he didn't do anything to help. Yeah, that's a nice segue, though, into, you know, the defense let T.Y. Hilton just run all over um, Kirby, so <laughs> I think uh, it's a good segue to go into the defense. Yeah, well, we're going to get to the defense. Um, well, John, in, in defense of the de- defense, oh, before, sure. before we start tearing them a new one, Yeah, Andrew Luck had a hell of a game. T.Y. Hilton had a hell of a game. They only scored 23 points. Yeah, I know. I mean, the defense... As much as we want to be angry at them as well, they did what they were supposed to. If you hold the Colts with that offense and Andrew Luck put up that sort of numbers, T.Y. Hilton ran, literally, he's still running around in RG Field. Um, If that happens and they only score 23 points, you should win. 24, but yeah. 24 points, I'm sorry. You you should win that game. You should still win. I agree. I agree 100%. You're right. I mean, if, and if, we would have connected on just one of those passes. Yeah, we went. But it would have been a completely different game. This is, again, also, Deshaun did take a sack on a third down that actually knocked us out of field goal range right. as well, which would have changed the dynamic of the game. And I, it's one of those things, though, that you put – you can kind of really put the loss on everybody. We didn't have a defensive 
Like we just, we didn't have that dominating defensive performance. We had an above average defensive performance. We still got ran all over by T. White Hilton. Um, but again, it was above average. We had above average special teams. We had mediocre offense. Yeah. And we just needed one of those phases, just one of those phases to kind of step up. And that really didn't happen. Yeah, you know, it's funny when Bill O'Brien did his press conference today, he, he's, you know, and he always says this anyways, but I think it really resonated today was, uh, you know, if you look at our losses and the times that we've lost, you know, it's been a field goal or less, I mean, a, a touchdown or less. And it, in a game like that, it literally comes down to six to eight plays being executed better. And yesterday it was literally just two or three plays that could have been executed better that would have changed the dynamic of the game. So, I don't know. I think it is what it is. We took a loss. Offense didn't perform. But let's get to the defense. So, what happened yesterday with the defense? My opinion, and I'll let you guys chime in, uh, the lack of corners showed yesterday. The lack of our corners and what they're capable of doing in coverage is what, is what happened. There was no game plan specifically for T.Y., it's a very hard player to game plan against. He he's going to get his yards, um, but the lack of corners yesterday is really what like that's in my opinion what I watched. That's what hurt us. It's yeah. the first time. Mm-hmm. It's the first time that since we've had all these safeties that they have not been able to overcome our lack of secondary, and it's because we've never we haven't played a quarterback like Andrew until now. And then yesterday we see what happens. Go ahead, John. Sorry. The uh, the point that I was about to make is this is kind of whom our defense is. They're going to give up between 14 and about 24, 25 points. This is what they're going to do. We are going to scheme around the fact that we have a bunch of technicians, that we do not have a single corner that can play man. Our best player in man coverage right now may be a safety. Um, Aaron Colvin really cannot play outside. He gets ex- his weaknesses get exposed on the outside a lot more than they do on the inside. And I he's don't probably, think he's hurt though. I mean, he's, he's, he's he did still, not take a lot of snaps. Yeah. I think it was like six. He's still kind of bouncing back. Remember yeah. when he originally got hurt? Everybody thought it was going to be season ending. Sure. And we are the one weakness that our defense truly has right now is we do not have a quarterback that can play man. Yep. And a quarterback like Andrew Luck is going to exploit that, and yep. he's going to get max amount of points that our defense is going to allow. 24. Yep. So when that happens, our offense has to step up and we have to get another big play off our defense and another big turnover. We got the one interception, but that was it. But if we get another fumble or anything, just a little bit more, which which is, it didn't happen. You're not kidding. Yesterday's game could have been spun on about three plays. Yep. And all three of those plays went the Colts way, or any one of those three plays goes our way, we win. Yeah. And this is, that is probably the, honestly, that is Andrew Luck's best performance of the year. Some of those throws were absolutely amazing. There's a couple that were just flying long. I mean, there's. So it's for anybody that wonders if he's back. Yeah, he's back. Guess what? He's back. That's, he's, he's doing close. that John Wick. Yeah, I, I think I'm back, or whatever. Yeah. And that was just nasty. And again, they only scored 24 points. Yeah. Well, it's fair. Keep that in perspective. They only scored 24 points. So do you want to answer for your boy right now, or do you want to save that till later? Why do I feel like this is going to be a fight? 
Between me and you? With Connie? Yeah, do you think it's going to be a fight? I, I've got this feeling that it's going to be a fight. Okay. I'll let you go first. No, no, no. No, I want to hear. I want to hear from the South Carolina Gamecock himself, like, your thought on uh, Clowney's day and the way it ended yesterday. Can't pause that long, Chum. No, I'm not I'm... ending this podcast. It's too late. <laughs> At this point, no, you go first. Okay. Well, that's not fair because it's not going to work now, but all right. Uh, yesterday after the game, I was extremely pissed off, said a lot of bad things about Clowney. Then I watched the game today, and the film just tells you a completely different story than what you actually want to say about Clowney. Did he have an offsides that killed the, or ended the game? Yes, he did. Is he the most penalized defensive end outside linebacker when it comes to enroachment and, um, and offsides and neutral zone infraction and whatever it was? He, he got all three in that, whatever it was. Yes, yes, he is. Uh, but I promise you this. If you guys have time, just go watch this film. And on the defensive side of the ball, just watch Clowney. Because besides the Watt sack and the Covington sack, which really was a coverage sack of anything, which we just got lucky with, uh, Jadavian Clowney was a fucking wrecking ball yesterday. He was an absolute wrecking ball. I mean, he had his hands on Andrew Luck four times and just happened to have the wrong angle and couldn't get him to bring him down. Jadavian Clowney yesterday might have been our best defensive player on the team. And it's not going to show. You're not going to see it in the box score. The narrative in the media, especially the local fucking vomit, fucking toxic media that covers this goddamn team, is going to take the Clowney lost this game headline as far as they can. And people will bite. And Twitter will bite. And it will continue to be this circle. And you guys are going to end up running out our best defensive player on our team because of it. Because he's not appreciated in the role that he actually has on this team. Today, after the first time I watched the game, I made it a point to watch it a second time and only watch Clowney. And if nobody's ever done that, I, I challenge you to do so. Because it will completely change your opinion of what Clowney does. Clowney is pretty much an innocent bystander on this team. He is told where to go, when to line up, what to do, while the rest of the team just takes place. Jadavion Clowney doesn't get the stats that add to his pocketbook that make him a defensive player of the year candidate. But if you watch the film, Jadavion Clowney is a defensive player of the year candidate, but he never will be considered as much because he doesn't have the flashy stats and the flashy plays that are needed in this league for you to win. So John, the reason why I was hoping you would go first was because you would have laid into me a little bit and defended your boy. And then I would have told you, I didn't even need all that because you see, I had a line perfectly teed up. Wow. I'm, sure you, you know, I'm sure you practiced it all the way over here. You just looked in the rearview mirror. You no, said no, it to no, yourself. There, I, well, I, had two, I had two lines. That, yes. Yeah. There's the, my first line of event. This is why we created this podcast is there's a players in Houston, no matter which sport we watch, but especially when it comes to football, that there gets a narrative written about them. And then they just reinforce and reinforce sure. and reinforce it. We have a, 
don't want to say lazy media. Oh, we do. But we no. have a lazy. No, media. we have a lazy media. Yeah, we have a lazy media. Yeah. They they run with something. They run it into the ground. Sure. And those voices of reason. Those yeah, the voices of reason are few and far between. Yeah. And they're all just, on the same page. It's yeah. weird. You just you want to you want to call out that bullshit. Right. And here's the thing about Jadavian Club. I actually started to put together an article before this week even started. There's four articles you started. I know. Yeah. I'm the <laughs> It's Hey, when you work eight hours, it's fucking Sure, sure, sure. But this one was pretty much around the fact that he could be a superstar. Yeah. But he wants to win more. And you can tell by the actions that he takes on the field. Yeah. The reason that I defend him all the time is because I have watched more plays of that of him play probably than, I don't know, if there was... Maybe, was Brett Coleman? Maybe more than anybody that is not a direct family member of him. I've been watching him since we started recruiting him in high school at South Carolina. I watched him every single snap that he played in South Carolina. I watched him every snap that he's played in Houston. And Jadavian Clowney, if he was committed to just being a pass rusher, would be an elite pass rusher. That's not what they asked him to do. That's all they asked him to do. If they asked him to go be just a better version of Duke Ejiofor, he could do that. That's not what they asked him to do. The reason why his size and his speed were such freak level of importance, this is a guy that can go up and essentially plays nose tackle, one down, then go out, play outside, and be a legitimate pass rusher that you do have to that you do have to double team. This isn't somebody going out there and moonlighting or looking for a cleanup sack or anything like that. He creates plays no matter where you put him. Jadavian Clowney is not just a pass rusher. He is a destroyer of game plans. This is not this is not even hyperbole. You talk about a player if they are a one-gap player or a two-gap player. Jadavian Clowney is consistently a three-gap player. He will push the lineman, the poor lineman that is responsible for blocking him, into another lineman and take out three gaps yeah. on multiple plays. This is why other players on the Texans have the opportunity to make plays. This is a huge reason why our run defense is so good. Just pay attention to the guy that, oh, look, he blocked Clowney. Yeah, but Clowney just shut down that entire line. There's no way the running back can go that direction. Yeah. This is one of the things that is almost kind of frustrating to watch about him because if he had said, if he let the noise get to him, if he truly did, and he went out to Bill O'Brien and Rack and he said, I'm just going to rush the passer like other players have done. There's other players that have made great careers about that. He would go out there and he would have 10 sacks, but that's not what he's trying to do. I think this is a guy just watching the tape. What it says to me is this was the number one overall recruit. This was the number one draft pick. This guy has always been number one. What has it gotten him so far? It got him an SD or a hit. That's it. He wants more. He wants a championship. Yeah. Because you don't play that way if all you're out there is a paycheck. No, it's good. No, I, think it's, I think it's very, very uh, detailed. Uh, Brad, what were your thoughts on, uh, on Clowney in general, but specifically the offsides? I mean, obviously the, the offsides is frustrating and his dead ball fouls are frustrating. I think he has eight total for the season between neutral zone of or yeah, eight or nine for the season, not counting um the sideline penalty in the Tennessee Titans game um early in the year. You know, but he he's a passionate player. You know, just like I think you have to he's a baller. He wants to wreak havoc on that offensive line. And he does. And again, I it's awesome that, you know, you've kind of come around to this that 
you know, it is extremely entertaining to watch him watch tape of just him and just what he does. And, you know, he is 60 to 70 percent of why our run defense is so good. Um, our athletic middle linebackers help and our obviously our safeties as well. But there's just they can't run to whatever side of the field he's running that he's on. They just can't run to that side. They can't run outside. Hell, he he gets people on the backside of plays after shoving off two blockers all the time. It's just he's a freak of nature. Um, he does he, for all the dirty work he does without giving any lip, without being a diva, um, you know, without being just a loud mouth and just buying into the system. He, he he gets a pass on that. He literally just wanted to make a play. The fact that even if we got the ball back there, it was going to be extremely difficult for them to get the ball downfield with the receiving core we had. Um, you know, I would love to have been able to see if what we could have done. Um, and if Fairbairn could have clutched it into, you know, overtime again. But, you know, it it sucks that he made that, but I'm I'm not gonna blame him. There's just he just does too much on this team. You know, Watt gets all of the glory, but Clowney's doing all of the dirty work. You know, I'm that's not taking anything away from Watt. He's a tremendous player with a great motor, but Clowney just I don't think truly you know, Houston fans truly understand because they don't really watch away from the ball. And and I hope people do take uh, heed the advice and just go watch Clowney because this, this game was the perfect. He only had two two tackles for the game, but it it was a masterful display just of of just clogging up an entire side of the line for sixty minutes by himself. Yeah, to be clear though, uh, I have watched the Clowney plenty, plenty, plenty. I, I think what happens is you watch Clowney and you know that he's this, this force, right? You know it. Like, you just know he's good. You know he's a freak. You know, he, all those things that people say. But I think when you stop and only dedicate the film to just him and you don't focus on anything else and you watch all of the game and it's just clowning, I think that's where your mind starts to open. Because at that point, you've invested so much time in watching him play. It's like, holy shit. Like, yes, I know he's strong as shit and can shed, uh, you know, two blocks. I know that he can get back, you know, and, and have a tackle for loss after shedding a guard and a tight end and then a chip. We know that he can do that, but when you just watch the film with just him in mind, it changes everything because you're not focused on any other part of the defense. You're just watching 90 and nothing else. You don't care about where the yards go or where the ball is thrown. You're just watching 90. And when you watch how he manhandles, manhandles these offensive linemen day in and day out. It's impressive. But it would be interesting to see him master a position. I think I think Rack does a great job. I think Rack is a, a, a hell of a defense coordinator. Obviously we've we've crushed over Rack multiple times, but I think it would I think at, at whether it be Next season, or wherever he, you know, he's with us the following season. Hopefully, he is. Uh, hopefully, we give him one position and say, "Hey, okay, this season, you've done all this. Like, Chase is getting old. Not necessarily old, old, but we we're going to need another young guy that can come in and take that load. And I hope that entering next year, you know, Cloudy has said, hey, you're going to line up as a 3-4 defensive end or a 4-3 defensive end, and your sole responsibility is to get to the quarterback because that's when 
the national media takes away the whole bust thing, and he isn't as good of a defender as people say. He's not Matt, and he's not Donald. Uh, you know, those guys all have had one position their entire career. It's all they've played in high school too. Like they, they just that's what they do. So it, it'd be interesting to see. Look, we spent a lot of time on planning that. That was not my. Uh, that was not my thought, but I wanted to make sure I got that out there. And uh, another thing I wanted to bring up about Pioneer before we move on is how hard is it to be drafted as the number one overall defensive player and go to a team that has J.J. Watt already on your defensive line? If you stop for a second and think of that as a Texans fan, how good J.J. is and how great we built him out to be in our head. And then you add another pass rusher. How is that? How is Clowney ever going to be able to reach that status of JJ Watt when he's playing behind JJ Watt? Does that make sense, John? Like from a from a like a mindset of like we already know what an amazing defensive lineman looks like. We saw we saw prime JJ. Clowney is going to be nowhere near that. So it's like it sets up it sets Clowney up for failure because it's like no matter how good Clowney actually is, because of Watt, he's never going to be considered that. Right, and that's the position Clowney's currently in. Correct. That he's got to live up to Watt. Everybody was expecting to have a carbon copy of JJ Watt on the other side of the defense, which. Surprisingly, you're going to look at me a little bit funny. That wouldn't work if you had two JJ Watts on the same field. That'd be very, very Bill Morbus. <clears throat> Maybe. 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 It depends. We've never I mean, seen it, so yeah. I have no idea. Well, there's never been another play, player like JJ. Right, that's what I'm saying. You couldn't have another player take the risk that JJ does. If you had another player that was just as hyper aggressive as JJ is, it just, it's not going to work out. You, it would be one of those where teams either score zero or they score 30 something because it will get burned. Yeah. And JJ does get burned, and that's why we have to have. He kind of too sometimes. He over pursues yeah. sometimes on outside runs or whatever. But not, have. not nearly. Not as much as JJ. Right. And part of JJ, though, is he usually knows when to take the risk and when he doesn't. And it was very obvious when he was still rusty that he was still getting that that fill the game back. Sure. But you need players to do the dirty work. You need players to do the cleanup work. And Clowney does the cleanup work and he just does it to a level that you really haven't seen before, but you're never going to appreciate it. There's no, there's really not stats on the defense that kind of can truly show the impact of him. And that's part of the problem. Part of the thing about football, you have to just watch. Like J.B. Clowney is never going to win you anything in, in fantasy football, even if you do play it. Very true. <laughs> even if you do play a defensive player, whereas players like Watt who go out there. two points once. Yeah, but when but you have players like Watt who go out there and constantly, constantly get sacks and things like that and take advantage of the situations that they can really only be put in because of, because of players like Clowney. Yeah, it's fair. Hey, uh, real quick, before we continue, I want to shout out uh, a Twitter follower. Um, if you guys ever find yourself in a point where the Twitter sphere is like this negative, toxic dumpster juice, uh, dumpster fire, 
uh, world and it's all Texans related and you're like, holy shit, how do I get out of this? Go follow my homie M.A. Sanchez 10. He is the most realist Texans fan I've ever met. And I'm going to, I'm going to have him on at some point, but, uh, this dude is just, he just gives it to you exactly how it should be. And he puts everything into perspective in a way that I don't think anybody else on Twitter does. So if you guys don't follow M.A. Sanchez 10, you guys should definitely go do so. The guy's fucking awesome. Uh, he's a listener too, but he's, he's great. He's a good dude. Uh, all right. So. Let's finish up on the defense, Brad. I mean, what else did you see yesterday? I mean, look, John touched on the the man zone aspect. When you give a quarterback like Andrew Luck time to just pick apart his zone, he's going to do it. There's just nothing you can do. There's there's holes in the zone in zone coverage. That that's that's why you have to be able to disguise it. Go some man, some zone. Uh, but what else did you see from the defense yesterday? Any good? Yeah, so I mean, we had strong, strong showings from Cunningham as usual. Reed, um, he was burned, you know, uh, one or one or two times, but you know, he had an, another high tackle game. Cunningham had a high tackle game. Uh, Matthew had a quiet game, but it, it was you know, plugging the plugging the run, stopping the uh, a couple of passes. And, you know, I think the only problem with the defense yesterday was you know keeping up with Ty Hilton, and that's just the fact that we don't have a man coverage corner. Um, so you know, that kind of brings up a question for you guys. Does that make you fear uh, the Chiefs more? Because I certainly fear the Chiefs more after yesterday's game. Uh, you know, not having someone to cover those speedy receivers um, would really worry me in the playoffs. You know, that truthfully, I think if we had a corner that could have covered T.Y. Hilton yesterday, I don't think it would have been that bad of a game. <laughs> I know it's kind of strange to say. No, I think uh, with uh, Tiger Kill hurting his foot, I'm not worried about the Chiefs at all. I think it's worse than what people think, to be honest with you. But I don't even want to worry about the Chiefs yet because we we won't be playing them until the second round. I honestly don't even know if we get past the second round with the way that the playoffs are looking now. We could likely play the Chargers. Actually, we're slotted to get the uh, Ravens right now. That would be even potentially worse. You think? I don't think our offense can score the Ravens' defense. Yeah, but their offense will go slot. I don't know. Lamar Jackson's. That's the one part that freaks me out. Yeah, is he a great thrower? No. That speed, though, and the mobility, I, I don't know how so, he would do. You would have to play towards the center of the defense, which arguably right now is the most. That is arguably the strength of our defense right now, the defensive line, the linebackers, and the safeties. Yeah. So he can't throw to a corner. The only reason Andrew Luck even attempted at some of those throws yesterday, because our even though our corners are slow, the coverage was fine. The reason that the throws worked out. You are freaking me out the way you're looking over my shoulder at the game. I haven't watched, any, I haven't watched any basketball this whole season. It's actually it's messing with my head. And the Golden you're State at. Warriors are just they're the same team, and I've I watched. I, I, I don't watch them. them. So go ahead. But essentially, the point I was saying is the our quarterbacks against Andrew Luck actually had proper coverage and proper leverage. Andrew Luck can take advantage. Of those situations, no matter what, because his receivers were faster and he was more accurate. Lamar Jackson will not be able to do that. Yeah. And then with his speed, yeah, he's, he's no that that is the scary part, but it won't be enough. He'll get hit enough times. He already got. He's been out two games. I mean, he gets knocked out of the court like two games. Ago. Right. So he's just he won't be able he won't be able to keep it up. No, that's fair. That defense is just really scary to me. 
The defense is terrifying. Yeah, no, that's very scary. I think Deshaun would do just enough against that defense to get by. Uh, well, that's another thing I wanted to bring up, you know, to, uh, before we fully move on. But uh, saying that Clowney was disruptive and he did everything and he did, I mean, he was amazing. But the lack of the pass rush out, outside of that is also what didn't help our coverage. I mean, when you have five seconds to stand in the pocket and make a throw against his own coverage – you're going to be able to you're going to be able to pick apart that zone. And Andrew Luck's offensive line has gotten a lot better. Well, Andrew Luck's the Colts' offensive line right now is kind of ridiculous. It is kind of ridiculous. Quentin Nelson is a fucking stud, dude. And I saw it on Twitter, and hopefully I can find it again. But we he actually had his lowest time to throw of the season versus us. So it's one of those where just worked out. He he's just good. I mean, no, he's great. He's great. If our players were, yeah, if they were a quarter sack or a quarter of a second faster, we get a couple more sacks, but which changes the game. Which does change the game, but it was Andrew Luck, right? As much as it was his offensive line, his offensive line. Andrew Luck is a good enough quarterback that his offensive line just has to be average, and he'll make them look a little bit better. Now you've got enough invested into that offensive line that they appear that they are above average, and then you have Andrew Luck behind it, yeah. making quick decisions, making. Insane throws. Yeah. Shit's going to happen. I mean, that's what it is. Let me ask you guys this. Brad, I'm going to start with you. Is Andrew Luck the best quarterback in the AFC South? Right now, without question. Oh, good. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right now. Yeah. No, I agree, unfortunately. Hopefully, we'll see something different in like two years. It's that long, but. Let me ask you this. Let me rephrase this. In five years, is Andrew Luck the best quarterback in the AFC South? Brad? No. John? I'm thinking. Unfortunately, yes. Andrew he's still probably. I think he still probably will be. In five as years. long as he's healthy. Yeah, I don't think he can stay healthy. Because that offensive line, that, that offensive line is going to get better. Right. And the way that Andrew, the way that Andrew Luck is capable of playing that, how he currently plays, will age better. Yeah. With Deshaun. That age. The hits he's taking now. I just, I don't know. Unless they fix the offensive line in one season, which isn't going to happen. Oh, no, not necessarily. I mean, it can, but... Blake Bortles is making a comeback, guys. That's that's who I was voting for. <laughs> well, here, the good the good part about this conversation is that we'll be between Watson and Luck, and either one of them is second in this argument. There still should be a pretty good quarterback. With Watson, the thing I do really like about him is he is a thrower before he's a runner. Yes. The problem is his decision making. He's got to get better at processing. Well, I think he will. I mean, it's so early. Like, it's so yeah. hard to, because he got hurt last year, it's so hard to really remember that. I mean, he's just he is, 20 starts. Yeah. Like, it's so easy for us to just forget that because it's technically his second season that, you know, this should be his 20, what, 28 start, 29 start. Well, part of his slow processing, I believe, isn't even the offensive line. It's just because he's always had the ability to avoid pressure long enough for something better to open up. Yep. And that's a kind of a mindset switch that he has to make from college and even high school with him. Because, yep. yes, he was always a thrower before he was a runner, but he would use his legs to scramble around until coverage breaks out. Yep. In the NFL, he shouldn't count on that. He, he can't count. So. All right. 
Uh, Jets Saturday. Anybody concerned about the Jets? Of course. Are you? Yeah. You are? Mm-hmm. Seriously? A little bit. Brad? I'm not just because their run defense is pretty terrible. Yeah, the Colts run defense was terrible coming into this week, too. Uh, I'm not worried about the Colts. I'm not worried about the Jets. I think we actually, I think this is like one of those games where they actually bounce back and like destroy from beginning to end. Uh, if we gave Baker Mayfield fits, we're going to give Sam Darnold even more fits. Yeah, Sam Darnold can't fit. Th- right. Baker Mayfield is fucking crazy accurate. And he's a good, he's a good quarterback. And he had a hell of a game yesterday. May- Mayfield's accurate. Luck is accurate. Sam Darnold is not. Yeah. So we shouldn't really have much to fear from the Jets, but short week, we're missing a slot receiver in sub forty degree weather. Yeah. There's a, there there's enough curveballs out there where I can't just say, oh, we're hundred percent we're gonna win. But hopefully it snows. Hopefully it snows. Yeah, that'd be cool. I can't like the last Texans game I can remember that snowed was in Lambeau where Chris Brown yeah. hit the game winning field goal. No. I can't remember another. I can't uh, remember. The Osweiler. Osweiler what? When he played in Lando. And. Osweiler played Green Bay? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Remember when. You, you're blocking it out. Probably. The most that the was the game that we thought Sa- Savage, Savage was scheduled to take over and then he got the staff infection in his elbow. It was Lando? That was at Lando. Huh. All right. All right. Well, I want to see like a like. A, do you remember that Titans Patriots game where the Patriots just dismantled the Titans yes. like forty two? I want that kind of snow, like full on. All you see is white, like snowball. Uh, but yeah, I think we'll I think we'll be the Jets. I, I just don't think they're a good team. They're about to fire their coach. There's a lot of moving pieces. Uh, all right, let's go around the league real quick because I, I think. Look, yesterday was a rough day for Texans fans all over because the Miami miracle happens where Miami on the last second play. That's actually, I mean, that was actually a good thing. It keeps, no, it keeps them at bay. It keeps hope alive. Yeah. If they lost Miami, they could potentially lose to the Steelers too. Right. And if the Patriots win that game, it's over. It's over. We're just, we're playing for the third string. So now, or third seed. Now, now that hope, it's still there. They still have the tiebreaker, tiebreaker, and the three-way tiebreaker is now out the window. But but the Chargers could take the number one seed this Thursday, yeah. which is the thing that is interesting. Because at that point, if the Patriots say they lose to the Steelers and the Chiefs lose to the Chargers, based on strength of schedule, we would be the number two seed if we win next week. Is that accurate? Patriots, Chiefs lose. Brad, you're, you're the guy that knows these kinds of things. Patriots and Chiefs lose. It would be Chargers 1, Texans 2, correct? Correct. If we win out. I mean, just next Saturday. Next Saturday alone. If, if next Saturday we win, Chargers win, Patriots lose, that would put the Chiefs at, oh, no, that would only be the Chiefs' third loss, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so no, that wouldn't be the case. They'd have to lose one more game. The, uh, the wild card can't take only a division leader can get the bye. So if the if the really yeah if the Chiefs so you can't have two people from the same division getting a bye. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. 
So that's the, the Chargers have no chance unless they beat the Chiefs. I don't know if the Chargers beat the Chiefs. I want to see, you know, honestly, if there's one team in the AFC that isn't us that I want to see win a Super Bowl, it would be the San Diego Chargers. Philip Rivers. I just like Philip Rivers a lot. I think he's a hell of a quarterback. I really enjoy him. John's making like a sour face. You don't like Philip Rivers? No, he's fine. He's fine too. He's fine. He's fine. Right. Okay. He has nine kids. He has nine kids. He can build an entire football team of just runners. Yeah. I mean, you want to do that? Yeah. He seems like he's a messed enough guy. He seems like a great guy. What is, it? A, boat? What is it called? What are those types? Bow tie. Yeah. No, boat. Is it called bow tie? Bolos. Bolos. Oh, bolo. Bolo. Bolo, I guess. Bolo, yeah. Like, really? Yeah. He's, he actually commutes from San Diego to L.A. every day. Every, every day. He, he, create, he, he got a special van equipped, ready with satellite. It's like fully luxury, and he watches game tape on the way there and on the way back. I'm not even kidding you. Brad's exactly right. He does it every day. It's an hour and a half there, an hour and a half back, not counting traffic. I love the Rivers. I've always loved the Rivers. He, he didn't want to pull his kids out of school. Like, that's pretty dope. Yeah, well, that's a dedicated freaking father out there. He's no, he's he's a good quarterback. Uh, there was a rumor a couple of years ago that would I don't know. thought we were going to try. I sh- was shitting myself. That would have been amazing. But uh, I don't know. I, he still went to NC State and North Carolina State. And, your wife went to NC State. No, she went to UNC. Oh, Chapel Hill. Okay. NC State is like a dirty Texas A&M. Oh, now you're going to talk bad about NC State. We have a lot of NC State listeners. If you look at our demographic, most of our listeners are from NC. State. Yeah, no, they're not. No, <laughs> I'm not even sure we have two NC State listeners. If we did, be sad, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Texas Cleve, stop listening. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's funny. Okay, uh, Rams Bears, dude. I mean, I who was I talking to? Was I talking to you? No, I was talking to Preston yesterday uh, when we were at uh, Maggie Mays, and I said I don't trust the Rams in the playoffs. I said they run a very gimmicky offense. I think a real defense could easily shut them down. And last night, that defense shut them down. Well, it's not a gimmicky offense. It's a simple offense. It's a high school offense. It relies a lot on having the right pieces. It's a high school offense, John. It's not a high school It's a fucking high school offense. Whatever. I'm not going to get into the... And get into it. Well, no, because it's what? How am I going to convince you that it's you not? Can't, so you lose already. It well for one thing, they take more snaps under center than any other team out there. High schools don't take any snaps under center anymore. That's because of the play action. They also run more play action than any other offense out there. High schools play action dominant. It's not. I don't know. I just want well, to. You're, just, you're making things up. Where's the offense? I don't trust runs. him. I don't trust Sean McVay just because he can name eleven fucking starters on the defense. That's bullshit. I hated seeing that all across Twitter. This guy, yeah. but maybe not like him. Really? Yeah, I was just like, are you serious? Like, you guys are all in love because a coach who during the week spends 134 hours watching film preparing his team for this next team seven days from now can name the starters on defense and you're fucking mesmerized? Are you fucking kidding me? Bill O'Brien can do that shit in his sleep. He doesn't do it because he doesn't want to fucking talk to the goddamn press. He just wants to get the fuck out of there. Sean McVay is 34, has a hot girlfriend, and is in L.A. He's got a fucking show that, hey, I can hang with the Belichicks. I can hang with the Reeds. I, can... I just thought it was a very annoying millennial fucking uh, thing for me. And it yeah, bothered me. but guess what? That was pretty stupid. 
thought we're gonna we're gonna be dealing with that shit for the next five years. I, I know, I, but then it'll go away. Because yeah, that's what happens. It, it, there's always there's fads they're, in the they're, NFL. They're in, yeah, there's fads. But it's every five to seven years. They're about to move the NFL Network to LA and all that shit. We are gonna be so sick of Sean McVay in about five years. I love LA. You may just want to say it a little bit. Yeah. And but the Bears defense is scary, dude. Yeah. Oh god, they're scary. They're good. I mean that that Mac trade is definitely working out. I wish we had put an offer on Fuller. On who? On Fuller, they're Kyle Fuller. Kyle Fuller. Yeah, I did too. Uh, Imagine I mean, that team with Deshaun. Jesus Christ. And they could have had they, him. Oh, I know. That team with Mahomes. Either one. It, uh, both would be better than Trubisky. That team would drop down. Well, then they would just be running the single wing. But, but they win. Yeah. He's, he's looking good, too. Josh Allen? He is looking good. He's fun to watch. Ooh, he, yeah, he's in a Bills uniform, here, so it's not very often you watch. But <laughs> Here's the question. Why don't they move him to tight end? No shit. I mean, he Dude, broke, he'd be better. He'd probably be better than Gronk if they moved him to tight end. He, you know, he broke Michael Vick's three-game rushing record as a quarterback. Yeah, of That's course insane. he did. Monster of a man, he's just throwing people around out there. And, and and Baker Mayfield is a stud, dude. I fucking hate him, but he's a stud. He looks really good. He yeah. made Carolina's defense look like he was pedestrian. It's a, it was a weird day. It was a weird day yesterday. But the NFL is every weekend it's something. If I'm a team in the so NFC, that's why you really can't overreact to anything because look at all this shit. Apparently, we haven't beat any good teams, but. Yeah, okay, so that that's where we were going to go. Thank you for bringing that up, John. Brad, help me out here, dude. The narrative up until we lost yesterday was that the Texans are a lucky team. Is that accurate? No. I mean, if you look at who they beat, they've... No, 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 no I'm sorry. Let me rephrase. The, the local media, national media, all they kept saying was, was we're a lucky team and that... We haven't beat anybody. Is that accurate that that has been the uh, the way the Texans have been viewed? Yes, that's very accurate. Okay, but yet the Cowboys catch this fluky-ass fucking touchdown deflected, and now everybody's creaming their pants over the fucking Cowboys. Why is that narrative not being passed along to the fucking Dallas Cowboys? America's team. Who are a fluky fucking team. I don't buy them. John, do you buy them? The Cowboys? No. Yeah. No. Just, I, I Brad, just, just figured out what we lost yesterday, though. Dak is a terrible quarterback. Terrible. Dak is a terrible quarterback. Dak is a pussy quarterback. Oh, John. Whoa, whoa, Dude. whoa. Some listeners. Oh, my God. Titty fucking pussy? What's going on, John? You've awoken the Hulk. Good God. No, he, he really is, though. No, he is a pussy quarterback. I agree 100%. All I had to see was that all or nothing where uh, Jason Garrett outdueled him in a, in a uh, accuracy competition. At that point, there was no reason for me to ever like that guy. And he looks like a total fucking stupid ass. He looks like he's got like a square head. He looks like SpongeBob. He's the least emotional quarterback. He takes no. He, he's what everybody thought Alex Smith always was. Oh, I'll take an Alex Smith over Dak for the most years. conservative you could ever imagine Alex Smith. With a weaker arm as Dak Prescott, yeah. So yeah, if you give him weapons, he's he's going to win you a couple of games. There's many seasons where the Texans would have absolutely killed that quarterback like Dak Prescott. Sure, the last three, four years, yeah, I would agree. He is not. He should not be in the same conversation as the Sean Watson. Completely different types of quarterbacks. Oh no, no, he's the best quarterback in Texas, John. 
No. Houston's <laughs> just no. quarterback in Texas. Dak Prescott has the capability of not losing you a football game, but he's not going to win you a football game. Yeah, that guy's a fucking pousse. A pousse. A French pousse, as they would say, right, Brad? Pussy. Pussy. You have a very nice pussy. You need the uh, drop from uh, from uh, Game of Thrones. Which one? Bad pussy. Oh, that's <laughs> true. So true. Um, all right. Uh, yeah, so fuck the Cowboys again. Uh, they're going to be one and done in the playoffs. I don't really care what anybody says. They can, all everybody can talk about how we're going to be one and done. Uh, that Saints lot or win was a fluke, in my opinion. Breeze had like Breeze maybe like had like stubbed his toe before he walked out there, or or ate some like bad sushi because nine out of ten times the Saints are going to blow the Cowboys out in the water. Uh, all right. What else do we have? Is there anything else? Oh, questions, right, Brad? Yeah, we got a lot of questions. Phoenix asked, and I think you kind of touched on this earlier. Um, why do you think the Texans refuse to play Colvin outside? Uh, well, I think right now he's just hurt. I think I think when it came to the IR, that we're so depleted in the secondary when it comes to our corners that they couldn't put him on on IR because there was a chance he could come back, and because we had literally nobody else that could step up and play. Uh, so they risked they risked uh, keeping him on the roster. He was on the roster throughout this entire time. I still think he's getting up to speed. He's had some snaps, but. Um, I just don't think he's healthy right now. I don't think we can say if he can play outside or inside yet. I think we need to let him get healthy and get back to uh, getting accommodated to this defense. And, and then we can start to have the conversations if he can play inside or out. John, would you agree? Yeah. I mean, for the most part, Holden still just needs to get healthy. One of his biggest strengths have always been the short area burst. And I think, honestly, a healthy Holden does better than anybody else we had against a receiver like T.Y. Hilton. But remember when he first got hurt, people were talking about this was season ending. We wanted him on the IR. Right. They left him off the IR because they wanted him to come back. Yeah. And that just shows how much that they view him and his capabilities for what our defense is going to try and do, especially going down the stretch. I agree. So, so um, what about uh, Duke Ojafor? Do you just think he's just still banked up as well? Yeah, I think I think I think he is. Yeah, he's he's just not healthy yet. I'm hoping he is the answer um, to the rotation that we need at, at a pass rush, but I just don't think he's healthy yet. All right, all right. So uh, here's one last one for Phoenix. Uh, he says, um, "If you could only put, pay one clowny or honey badger, who would you choose?" This is one of those debates. No you can offense, sign both. yeah, you can sign both, and then you're trying to get us to pick favorites. It depends. Where do you know where John's going? Well, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not even that. I mean, if we if we were in a cap situation and we had to keep one or the other, I'd keep. Actually, I'd keep Honey Badger over Cloudy because he would take less. And the leadership that he has brought to the team, he has really he has solidified that back end of the defense. And but it's one of those things that it's kind of a non-issue because Clowney is not a type of player that you can sign anybody to replace. You have to you have to sign three or four players to do what one clown he does. Yeah. And you can go out, sign Matthew, and then if we were in a cap strap space, you spend $2 million on three different players that all do half the job of what Colony did, but it kind of gets that same sort of coverage. All right. And Nacho Day Bro asks, uh, how do you realistically see our chances in the playoffs? If you would ask me yesterday, I would say one and done. <laughs> um I think it just depends on the matchup, honestly, going into the wildcard weekend. Uh, I think John made some good points. I think we could potentially beat the Ravens. I, I think our offense is good enough to score 
more points than their offense on our defense. Um, if we have to play the Chargers, I don't think we even come close to competing with them. Uh, I would like, in a, in a perfect world, I would like a rematch with the Colts in the wild card. That's just me, though. And I think that we could beat the Colts again. I think we could beat the Chiefs if we played them in the wild card. I really do. Um, and I think we could beat the Steelers. If we played the Colts again in, in the wild card, I, I would probably break something. I, I forget how much anger they inspire in me. Just, I, I really hate T.Y. Hilton. I just, I really hate him. And he, I'm sure he's a great guy. I'm sure he's a good dude. I'm sure if I was a fan of any other team. He talked shit about us yesterday. You guys didn't hear what he said about us. He said something about it should be a second half. Yeah. yeah, yeah, He's right. I mean, there's no no argument to that. Doesn't matter who our defensive coordinator is. Doesn't matter who we have on our defense. He's done it to Wade. He's now done it to Rack. He just, he shreds us. Like, especially in NRG. Yeah. We, Drafted a quarterback in the first round with the entire express purpose to limit T.Y. Hilton. And of course, that's the only first round bust we've had ever. Um, I just, I cannot express the other loathing I have for T.Y. Hilton. Okay, but what do we do in the playoffs? I think it depends on, I'm sorry, it depends if we can get hot again. If like legitimately, if the the defense doesn't have to do anything more than what they're doing. They don't even have to come out there and have one of those lights out games. But if our offense just clicks, there's I believe we can beat any team that we would play in the playoffs. However, we haven't seen that offense click yet. We've seen it for flashes. We've seen it from quarters consistently. If we get just a full first half of our offense firing on all cylinders, then we I, I still think we can play with anybody in the playoffs and potentially beat anybody in the playoffs. It's just one of those things, are we going to get hot at the right time on offense? Is Deshaun going to get hot at the right time on offense? Is he going to settle down and hit that kind of that, that medium area where he needs to be? Essentially, he needs to play like he was playing hurt, but with all the strength and aggression that he plays when he's healthy. Yeah. So it's possible that we can go into the playoffs and we can make some serious noise. It's also more likely that we'll probably go in and, and fizzle. Well, if we play someone like the Ravens, we're going to beat them. Just about any other one of those teams, I, I just, I don't have a good feeling about. All right, like I, I'm pretty much in the same boat. I think we can, if we played our our highest level, we can beat anyone. But it's just a matter of whether you know we've seen nothing but inconsistencies. Um, you know, from quarter to quarter, it hasn't even been game to games. It's like quarter to quarter. So I think a big thing is being healthy. If we have all the key pieces, uh, for our middle linebackers and and uh, safety stay healthy and. Um, Kiki especially stays healthy and, uh, you know, Carter doesn't get a concussion. Um, I think it's gonna be really important for us to do, to do well, but I could see us beating anyone. I'm more afraid of people with good, uh, good defensive teams than I am good offensive teams just because our running game is so important to our output. All right. So, um, do you think, and this is from Nacho Day, bro. Uh, do you think Brian Gain can get us at least four contributors in the next year's draft? Um, you know, he, he mentioned that basically since we only had a little, you, you know, a few picks to look at this year. Do you think four out of seven or uh, would is a possibility next year? Honestly, if he could just hit on two in the first two rounds and get me a tackle in a corner, I can care less what he does with the rest of the draft. If he can just give me a starting corner and a starting tackle at that point, given the holes on this team, that would be enough for me to say a plus on the, on the draft. Um, but if I'm being serious, yeah, I think Brian Gaines has shown that he's, 
I mean, he, he, he knows his shit so far. I mean, I, I can't say that we've, this has to be given what he had. This is our, probably our most productive draft class in a couple of years. And that's with no first or second round pick. Yeah, I mean, just look at the impact that we've gotten out of our players. That means that we had those players rated higher on our board and they just kind of fell to us. Yeah. And we're, somebody's doing something right in scouting. We had higher grades on these guys and we ended up with them. And I don't think that giving him more picks in early rounds with less guys taken off, off the board, it can be a bad thing in any way. And honestly, we get two contributors. That's usually how many contributors that rookie contributors the teams hope and pray for out of the draft. We get that from from game this coming year. Then next year we're going. We still, I mean, we're still a very young team. All right, and then uh, one last one for myself, just to throw it in, kind of in that same regard. Uh, would you rather have a, a first round defensive back or Patrick Peterson? I'd rather have Patrick Peterson. Biggest reason why is because this team's ready to compete now, and I don't want to go through the, the struggles of a quarter entering the league and having to have the, that learning curve and adjusting to the game. Uh, even if we had to still give up a first-round pick for Pat Pete, I would do it. Um, I think it'd be 29 entering next season. You'd still have four to five years of them. Um, I also have a massive man crush on Patrick Peterson, so but this is unfair for me to answer. That's like saying... John, would you trade Clowney? Like, I love Pat Pete. I think he should be on this team. Hopefully, hopefully, signing the Honey Badger to a long-term extension helps that happen. John, Pat Pete, or draft a corner than first? Probably Pat Pete. Yeah. Um, I honestly haven't looked too too much at corners this year in the draft yet. Um, as we get closer to draft season, and I actually spend some time looking at prospects again, I'll probably have a better answer for you. But right now, based on what I've seen from this team, is I think we're close enough to compete. So I'm okay with giving away a little bit of the future if it means next year we can have a legitimate shot. I mean, you drop in a... You put Pat Pete on the team right now. Yesterday we went. Yeah? Oh, yeah. See why Hilton's not doing what he did. Just look at whatever happens to the rack defense when you are able to drop in a man quarter. Look yeah. at what, how good they were with A.J. Boyan. Look at how good Patriots are when they have a quarter that can play man. There's a reason why they always seem to have a one corner that can play man. Because it gives the offense so much more flexibility. Or not the offense, the defense so much more flexibility, and then you don't get burned by it. Let me ask you this, John and Brad. Would you give up a first and a second for Jalen Ramsey next year? Yes. Brad? Yes. Yes. Like you like said, that's our one missing piece on the defensive side of the ball. First and a second. So you're giving second. up hopes of a potential starting tackle coming into this game. We have two seconds. That's true. We do have a second. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been proven by Nate Soldier you can't go out and buy a tackle, so no, it's a, it is a big risk. But we yeah. do have two seconds. That's true. I mean, I'd prefer to give up both those seconds, but you're whatever. Not, you're not. It's good. I know. A, a first and a second? Yeah, I'd do that. For Joe I, would say. I would say. Okay. All right. What else we got, fellas? Anything else? We got the questions out of the way. We did the around the NFL. We talked Texans for a long time. Anybody have anything else we need to add before I end this podcast? Good to go. Good to go. Well, as usual, as we wrap up Texans Unfiltered, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Houston FB Pod. 
That is Houston FB Pod. You can go to our website at texansunfiltered.com. Uh, we've been adding quite a bit of articles since then. I added two last week. I think John's going to add four at some point in the next six months. I'm not sure when, but there will be four from John at some point. Uh, Brad's also done a couple pieces as well. Uh, you can find us literally anywhere. I mean, just search Texans Unfiltered Podcast. Uh, you should see some Google ads uh, if you search Texans at all. Hopefully, we pop up. We should. And if we don't, let us know because I need to talk to that company, Google, and make sure that they are doing us right by our SEO. Uh, another thing, uh, I will have an interview for you guys as I will be talking live with John Weeks tomorrow. Uh, so that will be up sometime this week. Uh, and we potentially might have something else special coming up, but I will let you guys know once it's confirmed. Uh, with that being said, I am Yamari Gold signing off for Texans Unfiltered. I'll catch you guys next week after we beat the shit out of the New York Jets and bounce back and guarantee ourselves no more 9-7 and seven season. Yamari Gold signing off for Texans Unfiltered. I'll catch you guys next week.